This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. And I'm Flo Lloyd-Hughes. And welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast, where every Wednesday, Flo and myself pick out one article from all the writing available on The Athletic and put the authors under the spotlight. This week, senior writer Simon Hughes joins us to discuss his article on the weird trend of footballers posting public apology messages on social media after games. Yeah, tons of layers to this one. There's online abuse, footballers growing detachment from the fans, social media PR companies and much, much more. But before we introduce Simon Flo, let's talk a little bit about something that just will not go away. The 39th Premier League game has reared its head again. Ornstein, Ornstein, like a, like, a, like a footballer, David Ornstein spoke about this in his Monday column and he discussed it on yesterday's podcast. It just will not go away, will it? Yeah, and I saw a really interesting tweet, actually, this morning. Tim Stillman, who is part of Ask Blog, covers Arsenal men and women. I kind of really agreed with his take on it, which is overseas fans definitely deserve to see games as well. 100% true. Um, but the the problem is, is that outside of England is very big. It's a lot of possibilities. So how do you say just if you stick a game in Tim's example, if you stick a game in Miami, you're not helping fans in Asia really see mm. live football. So it's kind of like, well, you're you're never quite going to win and be able to provide Premier League football to global fans because there is so much of the globe to touch to 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 do that. So it almost feels like, well, you might as well keep it contained and make it an international viewing experience and then let clubs go and do their pre-season tours wherever they might want to do them and kind of keep it that really for me. Yeah, it's giving them a meaningful game. That that's the yeah. biggest problem. That, that, but they still turn could... but they still turn up. Like when they go abroad, yeah. they still sell out those stadiums, you know, ninety thousand or wherever it may be. Like people still flock to see them regardless. But I guess if it's off the back of an international tournament, for example, clubs go on these tours but that the fans won't necessarily see the stars. So let's say if Salah's played in a, in a World Cup, if it's the tournament, although that won't, that's not relevant at all with Qatar at the moment, but you know what I'm saying. If there's been a big international tournament, the fans won't get to see the stars in those those pre-season games. Yeah, and I I know like it does often feel like that player will be in the squad, but they'll get like rolled out for five or ten minutes just yeah. to kind of make a big kind of song and dance about it. But I really don't, I don't, see a way it could work without being extremely complicated I mean the NFL have been doing it in London Mm. for maybe was it what like 2006 or something was the first time they did they've been doing it for ages and it's worked really well um um I think players sometimes find it a struggle with the time difference and things like that but they've managed to fit it in with their calendar then there was rumors that the Jags were going to become a UK based team but I just still feel like you're it's impossible really to be able to say, oh, well, it's these fans we're going to go to see or it's this game mm. that's going to... Like, how do you decide? How would you decide where where to even begin with that? 
yeah, I, I kind of sit in the middle of the of the argument from Joey Derso and uh, Ali Kay, who were involved in the piece that's that's been on the Athletic. In that, I've I've been to an NFL game at Wembley and and, and enjoyed it. That was a new experience for me. It, it was good to have that opened up and have the chance to go. The other side of it is, is when I've been on holiday in New York and I've gone to watch a Villa game in a pub with the New York Lions, and honestly, it was one of my favourite days ever. The passion that, that they had for Villa and all the different reasons why why people had for supporting Villa, expats, people that had just dis- decided to support Villa off the back of a player and things like that. But the passion, it was genuinely one of my favourite days ever. And I'd love for, for those people to get the chance to, to see it more regularly than that than they can at the moment. It's, it's obviously difficult to go over to the UK. It's difficult to get tickets sometimes for Premier League games as well. But there is the supporter base there. So I can see why they want to do it. But I definitely don't think it should be part of the Premier League. Yeah, and also fans want something that's authentic, don't they? And Yeah, that's the other thing. Going and, and moving that whole experience, and this is obviously what they do for the pre-season tournaments and stuff, like it doesn't quite work, but obviously fans still want to go because they want to see their team. But really, any of those guys in the group that, that you hung out with in New York, like their dream, and obviously it's a very expensive um, and it won't be a dream that lots of them will be able to do, but their dream is to come over and get that authentic villa experience right they want to go yeah. to villa park they want to be in the whole end or whatever like it's that experience so i feel like they don't really want you to just ship a fake premier league game over they want the they want the scarves they want the smell of burgers they want everything like they want that and you can't recreate that like that's you can't you can't package that up yeah it'd be a false experience wouldn't it it's, re- it's really interesting it's obviously something that, that won't won't go away so something is going to have to give at some point I think my main issue with it is that you know if it's the owners again that are involved lot lot with the Super League they don't really care about either set of fans the fans in the UK or the fans abroad they care about the money that's coming in like, I think that's my biggest problem with it yeah yeah Right, if you do want to read that story and you're not already subscribed to The Athletic, there's that and much, much more at the moment. And you can save 33% on access to all that good stuff. So that's just £3.33 a month for an entire year. To take advantage of that offer, just go to theathletic.com slash football pod. Additional time at Old Trafford. Drama at Old Trafford. It's been like that down the years at this place. Bruno Fernandes misses! It almost ended up in the top tier of the Stratford end! It almost ended up at Villa Park, that's how high it went! Aston Villa off the hook, big time! Simon Hughes, welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. We're here to deep dive into your article, Simon, that's titled It's Mad That Bruno and Others Feel That They Have To Say Sorry Publicly For Mistakes On The Pitch. A bizarre new trend on social media, Simon. What what do you make of it? Uh, I think it's insane, (laughs) to be honest. um, As you said, it is sort of a, a modern trend over the last sort of 12 to 18 months. We've seen other players releasing statements after a bad moment. I remember Sergio Aguero, uh, only a couple of weeks before he was due to leave Man City, uh, late last season, he missed a penalty against Chelsea, which which stopped Ch- uh, Man City from lifting the league title at the Etihad. And he decided it was necessary to release a statement apologising for, for what has happened. And I remember watching or, or reading that and thinking, this is, this is a bit crazy. He, he's a player who's contributed immensely to Man City's modern history. 
scored the goal that, that, that won them the Premier League title uh, 10 years ago. He's given the club amazing service. Ultimately, everybody can miss a penalty. Since then, we, we've seen a few more players doing it. Jesse Lingard did it a couple of weeks ago after after a bad night for Man United and then Bruno on, on, on Saturday. And I think that, you know, that, that in the past, players have apologised by way of going through the media and trying to reason their way through a bad moment on the pitch. And sometimes I think that does show sort of a degree of humility that they're not afraid to to go and to go and talk about something that might be quite difficult for them. But the, I just find that the, the new, this new trend is quite bizarre, really, and, and quite unpleasant and for, for a number of different reasons, really. I think it, if it makes the player feel better about himself after a bad moment, then fair enough. You know, you, you can't deny that. But there's there's potentially quite a few different reasons why this is increasingly happening. Um, the, 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 the most sort of, not worrying, but the most sort of unpleasant nature of it potentially being that you know, the, the player's finished the game, he's gone onto social media and he's getting all sorts of forms of abuse. And he feels like he has to justify making a mistake on a football pitch, which happens on every football pitch across the country on any given weekend. If he's just following the trend of other players who are doing it, you know, players do follow each other and this sort of act of self-flagellation has happened before, as I said, whether he thinks it now, like this is the thing that happens, then I should do it. I think that's a bit weird, to be honest. And then equally, there's there's the whole element of the social media management where people are are managing the the the, the social media accounts of players and, and advising players what to say because it looks good for their for their brands. Simon, I don't know if you managed to speak to any of the teams or, or have heard anything from the teams of players around those who kind of manage their PR and stuff about why there is a current obsession with this because it does seem a little bit ridiculous and also that reaction from all the all his teammates whether or not it was them actually posting but them posting like you know we'll stick together bro fist pump emoji or like we're one team bro um and I, I enjoyed Adi Oladipo, who works at TalkSport and does boxing stuff for zone, saying, United, it's not that deep. Like, no one cares. Like, most people do not care about that that much. Like, I think it's, it's the over-the-topness, which I think makes it so absurd, like you said. But I wonder if, if PR people are genuinely thinking, we've got to do this because it's this bad if we don't. Yeah, public shows are affection. I always feel a bit awkward about um, <laughs> when it's probably being dealt with in-house I'd imagine in the dressing room I'd imagine I would hope that those players who were saying on social yeah, media exactly, exactly. I've said the same thing to him while he's sitting across the dressing room from them I mean I know I know for an absolute fact that after most games you know players who have a social media presence will get into the dressing room and check you know what what's what people are saying about them you know these players obviously Potentially, you know, perhaps maybe they show a, a lot of confidence outwardly, but I think there's a lot of insecurities as well. And um, I did a piece a few weeks ago about the trend of sleeping pills in football um, on the athletic and how that's becoming an increasing sort of worrying phenomenon, really. And this was part of the process of, say, a night game, a play will will play his game. Um, maybe sometimes having had a caffeine supplement, he'll come off the pitch. First thing he'll do in the dressing room, even before the manager is, has come and said his piece because he's dealing with the media, will check his social media accounts and then they will take a sleeping pill to sleep. If they see all the criticism that's coming their way, it becomes much harder to sleep. You know, mm-hmm. so the, 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 this is the reason why they're reaching towards sleeping pills. So 
in the process of doing the investigation for that, that piece, it became very clear to me that players are using social media within minutes of coming off the pitch. Um, so I would not be surprised if at least some, if, if Bruno hasn't seen it himself, somebody on his, on the, 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 the group of people that represent him have seen it and have felt it necessary to, to respond to it. Now, I just think ultimately maybe this is a, quite a puritanical way of looking at things, but in the stadium, you know, I think, I think lots of people who follow Manchester United will know, you know, that, that he has transformed that team over the last 18 months. Yeah. Without him, you know, Man United will not be where they are now, which, okay, it's not quite where most people would want them to be. But I, I do tend to think that people, you know, that the people who go to the matches, who see Manchester United play every week, it won't be coming from those people. I just can't imagine that it would. You know, I think that people, if you see the effort that you put in on the pitch... And they see that you're trying to, you know, it seems to me that Bruno Fernandes loves playing for Man United as well. He, he sort of gets the, the culture and history of that club. There'd be no reason to have a go at him for missing a penalty, an act which all the best players have done at some point in their careers. And also early, earlier in the early in having done it this early in the season, it's not cup game, it's not Champions League game. Actually, in terms of defining moments. I wouldn't say, uh, apart from Dan's incredible weekend that he had, and he's feeling very top top of the world today. Like in reality, it's actually you know it's really not that deep, as Addy said. Like it's not going to be a defining moment for that team for his career, and we'll probably won't even be talking about it in a year's time. But everything feels so elevated because social media is a twenty four hour kind of vacuum of chaos and and loudness from certain people. It just feels like that's now seeping into the players as well. And like you said, that's pretty worrying, but it does feel like you can change this. And it it seems strange to me that instead of changing it, they're leaning into it by posting these, these apologies. Like you say, nobody has done more probably for an individual team in the Premier League over the last 18 months than Bruno Fernandes at Manchester United. He's got 30 goals, 19 assists in 57 Premier League games and he scored 21 out of 23 penalties. If someone like Fernandes is having to come out and apologise, then after every weekend of Premier League football or football in general, you're going to see every player apologising for something. That, that's the way it's going now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah well, I, I touched on it at the end of the piece about Curtis Davis at, at Derby County. Um, obviously, they're in the championship, a club with <clears throat> huge problems at the moment. And I, I think it's in the piece that the actual football is the least of their concerns, really, at the moment. You know, it's yeah. survival and making sure that that club is, is there. Unfortunately, he made a mistake with a couple of minutes to go in their game against Sheffield United. He's a 36-year-old footballer, Curtis Davis. He, within 10 minutes of the final whistle, having come off the pitch, only just made that mistake. I can't imagine that he's got a team of social media people Helping him, you know, he's a championship player now. Nah. He's an experienced player. He's he's not doesn't have the sort of profile that that um that would require having a, a team of people helping him on on this front. So, ten minutes of the final whistle, he's gone on to Twitter again to sort of apologise really for his mistake. He's actually had a really good game that day. It's just one mistake, and yet people who either aren't at the ground, his name is trending on Twitter in the Midlands Derbyshire area for one mistake that he's made. Now, it could be, of course, that Curtis Davis thinks people at my club aren't showing responsibility at the moment um, on a number of levels, you know, ownership level. And yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna front this up and, and say, you know, at least somebody is communicating with the fans, which, again, I, I would admire that. But if it is because, you know, he feels the need to try and intercept a growing tide of 
uh, resentments just for one error. I mean, I, I just think people have lost their minds if 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 you think that that is is worthy of the scale of criticism that that, that came his way. So it's going to pro- prohibit potentially the, the way players perform as well. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how Fernandez reacts to all this over the next couple of weeks because um, he has been one of you know United's best player over the last eighteen months. Uh, I mean, the other thing that I never mentioned in the piece, which I did think could be relevant retrospectively, is obviously Manchester United inherited a lot of new fans because of Cristiano Ronaldo and the, the, the cult that he has, if you like. I do wonder to what extent is that playing into why he's gone onto social media. Because and his followers are quite, yeah, can very, be quite very spicy. Vocal, you know, yeah. very vocal. So I, I do wonder whether that's that is an element at play here. But he does say in a statement clearly, you know, that. It's a game of opinion. So he's clearly mentioning the fact that there are people who are um, who are saying stuff to him. That so it's pretty clear that that is coming into his, his thinking process when he's he's made the statements. I mean, we all know that social media companies could be doing a hell of a lot more to protect players and protect people in general from a lot of the abuse they receive. And I mean, I've got a setting on my Twitter where I don't receive any notifications from people unless I follow them. So that's an instant, you know, you can get rid of probably 80% of the stuff that you get because Bruno Fernandes would only be getting notifications from probably Jesse Lingard, Ronaldo, you know, all those other accounts of players that he follows. He wouldn't be getting notifications from some, you know, random guy who's who's tweeting abuse at him. But why players have social media in the first place or, or why we as fans enjoy it is because we want that connection with them. We want that insight into their lives. We want to we want to feel like we know them and, and they know us. And it feels like even though we still get that occasionally where we get, you know, snippets of, of that true story, like when Ainsley Maitland-Niles posted that uh, Instagram story on, on set deadline day saying, you know, all I want to do is, is play where I'm loved or, or, or whatever it was. It feels like we're losing that when we start to see kind of this really sort of robotic or or unnatural kind of process to it. It becomes formulaic and you don't want that. You still want to feel like you're getting the truth, you're getting the real the real player. But with all the good side of that social media and this, whether it's like speaking out um, for the greater good or being an activist, you then get this kind of crappy side where players are feeling like they have to... They always have to do things that are unnatural. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I, if I was a player, I, I would not use it. I, I use it for work purposes and work purposes only. There was a time when I, I thought, um, you know, you can communicate with people, but increasingly, as a journalist, I, I, I suppose I have some sort of more sympathy with footballers because I've seen firsthand how sort of a lot of people will twist your words and quite quite often I end up the only times when I interact with people now is A, if they're they've been nice you know if somebody's been positive about I will I will say thank you or if if I feel that somebody has misrepresented something that I've written which happens a lot because people tend to read tweets not articles Mm. I find that really frustrating and I think back about like sort of 10 years ago when, when Twitter became sort of really relevant in our society. And at the time, Wayne Rooney was using his own Twitter handle and it was an interesting insight into the world, the sort of quite mundane world which he operated in, you know, trying to set up... Those were the glory days of Twitter, the early glory days of Twitter. Pick up time. Didn't he he threaten to knock himself out on Twitter? (laughs) 
Mine Rune at one point threatened himself that he was going <laughs> to fight himself, I think, at the, at the start. This of it. is the problem now, isn't it? Like, you know, a lot of the, he, I, he put tweets out 10 years ago, which if Wayne Rooney's having a difficult time at Derby as manager, those tweets will be dragged up to show, you know, what an idiot Wayne Rooney is again. Mm. So even when you do try and sort of manage things yourself, I just think, you, you know, people have got a, long, a, a very long memory when it comes to any mistakes, even, you know, grammatical mistakes on Twitter. From yeah. a footballer, you, you get absolutely, you know, um, absolutely destroyed for, for maybe not using the right grammar at times. So I, I just think, you know, for me, I, I, I question why you would want to use it, as you said. I mean, if it just becomes a, a, a tool for, for promoting a certain image, which isn't true anyway. And players taking control of their their reputation by promoting something that isn't necessarily that accurate. You know, you do have to question what is the point. This is the Athletic Football Podcast, and we've still got plenty to discuss with Simon. Of course, we've got the stick to the football debate and much, much more. So stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, my mum, she'd done the best she could, I remember. We used to go to a shop called um, Pound World and everything was under a pound and, you know, we'd sort of schedule out the week so we'd get seven yoghurts and you can have one yoghurt a day and this is all going on at a time where kids should be concentrating on schoolwork and it's just crazy to think that this this is still going on at this, you know, we're in 2020 now and it's just something that I don't believe should be should be happening. Simon, what we haven't yet touched on, because um, obviously the three of us are not really seeing the the authentic side to this and, and a little bit pessimistic, but there must be a group of supporters, a group of people in football who do appreciate this and it is placating them in some ways because people are replying saying love, you know, heart emoji or whatever it may be. So it is working for some people, clearly. Yeah, I mean, it, it clearly has. I mean, I... I, I in reaction to the, the article that I wrote, it certainly wasn't universal or well done for writing that. You know, it's about time somebody sort of called called out what's going on. Uh, there was a lot of people who were like, sort of, who would, who would argue against what I'd written, um, where, you know, even some people were saying that, that as, <laughs> as an employee of um, the corporation or brand or whatever you want to call Man United is, who's made a mistake, who's potentially cost the club lots of money, uh, has ruined my weekends. It's a refreshing, makes a refreshing change to yeah. see somebody uh, owning a situation. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, 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 all that obviously sits very uncomfortably with me. Um, 
so yeah, it's 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 a very unusual world that that these people are operating in. Um, an unusual world to be trying to to ingratiate yourself with if you're a footballer and you think that's the right way to go. And Dan, quickly, the the other thing, this is a complete stab in the dark, but the other thing I thought about today was, do you think some players, it's part of that psychological sort of recovery from a mistake, which is, it's almost like a cleansing process that if you apologise, it's like you're moving on from the event. And that, I, I would need to chat to a sports psychologist about that. And lots of players will have a club one or their own personal one about whether it's actually, you know, that it's leaving that in the past, but that's a complete, you know, one to explore. So the Curtis Davis one, that that's a, ge- a genuine apology. I, I would see it from that point of view, but we're, if we don't think Bruno Fernandez is even writing that post, that he, it, he it can't be to that, do with yeah. that, can he? Because it's it's someone else writing it. What, what I wanted to know actually from from Simon is who are who are these companies? Who who are these these people? Are there, are there loads of them around? Do players all tend to use the, the same company or the same person? Is it, is it like this massive wide network? Well, it's an interesting question because a lot of players, increasingly, I would say, players are using family members for their you know their their, their advice that they get um, more so than maybe ten years ago. I mean, one of the things that I think needs to be thought about is that certainly the first rule of PR. Particularly when you get something wrong, and I'm talking about something that is seriously wrong here, not missing making a mistake on a football pitch, you know, something that you do actually need to apologize for. You know, traditionally it was always, well, get the apology in first, and it stems the conversation. It, st- it stops people saying, you know, when are you going to apologize for making this mistake? And it does seem to me that, that maybe he, he he thought all the people who were advising him around the social media accounts have maybe thought about this and said, well, if you get the apology and it'll stop the conversation about, about this ensuing over the, 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 correspond- the subsequent week, which you mentioned before, you know, sort of this cleansing element of it does, is he able now, it'd be interesting to see on his Twitter feed, whether the conversation shifted from criticism about missing the pen to criticism about the apology, which I suppose is possibly easier to deal with <laughs> From a from a player's point of view, um, I, I would imagine you know you don't want to be reminded for the rest of the week when you're going into a game and it's five days later, you know you best not be on the penalties on you know tomorrow. You best like Cristiano Ronaldo. So it's twisted the conversation that's going on on social media about what has happened at the weekend quite quickly from he's missed the pen to he's apologised and why are people doing it? Because there's no doubt whatsoever. If you're if you're in the public eye and you're a footballer now, I, I think it's harder than ever to escape um criticism when you do get things wrong. I mean, at Liverpool, there's a young player, Nico Williams, who made a mistake uh, last season. He took himself off social media because of like, you know, one mistake. This is a young lad, you know, who has no experience of dealing with this sort of world. Bruno Fernandes is a bit older, and I'd imagine we'll be able to to deal with it. But it, as you said before, if if somebody with his experience and and profile is is sort of trying to think of ways to deflect away from this conversation. It, it just shows you just how warped um, you know the conversations are about football at the moment. Yeah, on the flip side as well, we've got the rise of a number of high-profile athletes using these platforms to get involved in things that, that aren't to do with football, such as politics and speak out around social issues. Rashford, Sterling, Tyrone Mings, that they're three that spring to mind. I guess that shows a different side of, of social media of players using the power and u- using their reach to get involved in other things. Do you think that's a, that's a good thing? Well, 
this is where there's a split in the conversation. So I think a player missing a a chance on a football pitch shouldn't really need management around it to to deal with that situation. Yeah. It's a football match, whereas obviously Marcus Rashford has you know been you know an amazing sort of figure in sport over the last two to three years, whereby he he feels a certain way about a very particular subject. Um, I do feel that that needs to be managed because you're not just dealing with football fans there, you're dealing with politics, politicians, the, the cogs of governments when you're dealing with that. If we're being honest here, I, I would hope that most people would be able to realise that the difference between Bruno Fernandes missing a penalty and the significance of that and what, what Marcus Rashford is trying to achieve based on his... His conscious, you know, his his consciousness and, and and what he's experienced as a kid, he 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 needs help dealing with all that because he's obviously decided, I don't want to just be a footballer who goes home and switches off. I want to actually try and make a change. I think it's totally justifiable that he has help dealing with what comes yeah, away in that agreed. issue because he hasn't gone into sport to become a politician or to become a a, a campaigner. He's gone into sport to become a footballer. And he's realised that with time, I, you know, I can actually make a change. I can try and force change, which is really, really brilliant thing to do. So for me, I really, really feel strongly that it's absolutely fine that he's got help dealing with his social media accounts. I don't, I would imagine, I'd be amazed yeah. if any of the stuff that goes out from his account is not representative of how he really feels. These are two different discussions, really. There'll be people, of course, who say, well, he's a footballer. He should not be getting involved. You know, stick to football. I mean, those people just bore me to death, to be honest. So I'm not even going to try and Agreed. Um, <laughs> reason away the argument against that. There was a documentary, wasn't there, on the BBC about Marcus Rashford and everything he's been involved in and all the good he's done. And you could see that the people he had around him, Flo, they were all people who he had a relationship with. They were all people he trusted. So I think what Simon says is true, having a team involved for things like that. Is completely understandable. Yeah, and it's a, it's a very difficult and weird career being a footballer, or being a professional athlete. I mean, there's, I mean, football especially just because of the the global kind of um, awareness and the the length of the seasons as well. Like there's there's just nothing like it, and so it's it's understandable why these people want help, they want support because it's really difficult. It's really difficult just managing your life in a way that doesn't become overwhelming and that was even before social media existed and now with social media it's like you like Simon said you're you're on the clock 24 hours and and you want to you want to know what people are are, are saying about you what people are, are, are talking about and I feel like football is so unique because in no other career would you be apologizing publicly really I mean we don't even see politicians do it enough for actual mistakes that cost people's lives let alone football mistakes on a football pitch so it's mad that we've created this sort of monster this absolute freak of a of a discourse where people have to apologize for things that in reality don't really mean anything um because you know in our world what we we would rarely apologize for anything and in most people's world they're not going to be apologizing they're not going to be putting out public apologies if they do something wrong it's just it's just totally totally wild to me it really is and where do we go from here Solomon because I, I can envisage a scenario here where the next player that misses a penalty doesn't come out on social media and apologise 
And he's going to be getting criticism because Bruno Fernandes has apologised for missing a penalty for Manchester United. And then let's say a Norwich or a Watford player or whoever misses a penalty and they don't apologise. A player's now going to be getting stick for not apologising. You're spot on. This is the concern for me is that you get, you know, a demand for some sort of contrition over something that is, is, is expected to happen on a football pitch. It's different if the player intended to miss, of course, and was found out. That would be then worthy of an apology but when you're trying to score and you miss you shouldn't have to apologise for that um, I mean I, I was speaking to a footballer or should I say a former footballer last week about this issue about and it, it might sit a bit uncomfortable what I'm about to say here but he was saying that when a person in football dies even if he hasn't met the player before has never encountered the player the whole outpouring of sort of RIP such and such he feels that he has to join in because if he doesn't, you know, mm. offer his condolences, then somebody will be saying, you're a bad man. You're not offering your condolences to somebody you never mm. even met before. So this is where it's going here. Like players feel like that they have to do something because other players are doing it. Uh, you know, it's, it's very, the sport itself is very sort of, um, you know, trend-led. You know, what if a player has... The, the latest, you know, wash bag. Another player will in the dressing room will do it, and it's very much like that. So yeah, I mean, uh, God knows where it's it's going to sort of lead over the next. Uh, is Ali going to Solskjaer going to apologise for getting his team selection wrong? You know, next week when they lose lose again, Man United best not make that But you know, is 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 uh, Man United's owner is going to apologise for putting Solskjaer in place? Where does this all end? I just think that people need to realise it's a game of football. Mistakes happen. And um, you know they need to, to chill out and focus and focus the frustrations on things that do matter. Uh, you mentioned politicians. You know, if, if everybody, I think I said in the piece, if everybody had the record, you know, in, in public service, had the record that Bruno Fernandez has had over the last eighteen months, we'd know, have petrol in our cars. Yeah, exactly. We'd have <laughs> petrol yeah. in our cars. We'd have food on our shelves, and we'd all be living like Denmark. There you go. Just while we've got you on here, Simon, just wanted to touch on a, a positive of, of social media. Harvey Elliott obviously picked up a horrific injury. And he, he used his social media, I thought, really, really well to, to, to kind of take, take the heat off strike, the, 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 the Leeds defender, because he could have been in for a really, really hard time with, with the, the nature of what happened. But Harvey Elliott kind of redeemed him of all blame. And I, I just thought that was a really nice use of social media by a footballer. Well, I think what it also shows is, I mean, I, I must confess, I was away on holiday when this, this game happened, so I didn't see the whole fallout. But I thought he he was he was producing content from you know the the hospital from the from the um, ambulance, wasn't he? Which I thought that just shows, if anything, shows just how obsessed footballers are. That the lad has potentially suffered a what could be a career-ending injury. He doesn't know at that moment. And he's feeling the need that he's got to go and go and um, speak about it within 10, 15, 20 minutes of the injury happening. I thought, what is going on? I mean, I, I agree. I think on this occasion, in terms of the, the, the player that was um, the Leeds player, Stroik, who, who obviously caught, well, sort of his, his action caused the injury. I thought that was very sort of brave of Harvey Elliott to do. But I think, if anything, it just sort of summarises really what we're talking about here, that a player is in a really bad way and he reaches for his phone and decides, I, I am going to have to reach out to my followers in this 
moment of absolute personal desperation. I mean, whether that, that shows a lot about him as a person, it probably does. But I think it also shows a lot about the environment that they operate in. Yeah, it's, it's quite worrying as well, isn't it? That whereas, not that you can't get support from the digital world. I've met good friends who I've started connections online and then took them into kind of the real world. But it does worry you that he's not getting enough support. Okay, maybe in that moment, he probably took a bit of strength from the the outpouring of sympathy that he received, which is which is quite nice in, in some ways. But I personally wouldn't want to be um, operating in that world where your, your sort of personal, um, the way you feel about yourself is is in danger of being defined by what people are saying about you on social media. I mean, how did he get his phone so quickly? Is the question I have. I imagine he was taken straight into an ambulance. Who was the guy that, that, that ran over, ran over with his phone, and gave it to him before before the ambulance drove off? What yeah, world? I, I, as I said, I wasn't at the game. I, I was I was in Spain at the time, and I, that that thought did cross my mind. I was even in Sunday league. Your mate might not even get you your phone that quickly if you break your leg. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So another investigation for you to carry out, Simon. Thanks ever so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been great talking to you, and hopefully we'll speak again soon. Cheers. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash athletic football with no spaces. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Right, before we go, Flo, let's point listeners in the direction of a few other things that have been going on on The Athletic from a reading point of view. And my favourite piece of the week or well, the last seven days I think I think it came out in the last seven days is the Mark Clattenberg interview what a guy you know you've forgotten that someone's existed I don't know how I forgot they existed because he was quite an out there referee I, I, f- I forgot about his existence until I read that piece again and it just just brought back all these memories of, of him as, as a referee and I found it really really interesting oh yeah I found it so funny and it's, it's funny you say that because judging from that sort of extract from the book that he's putting out and that interview I feel like he's the kind of guy that probably would have enjoyed being in the spotlight a lot more than than perhaps he has in the last few years because he's kind of drifted away, worked abroad and then occasionally popped up every now and again. 
but I just found it so funny. He sounds like someone who who belongs on on the only way is Essex and not on a football pitch. He he loves the glitz. He loves the glam. Um, he's you know doesn't really care what people think of him. He's quite brash. He's honest. He's I just found the whole thing really hilarious because when you think of referees and he talks about that in the, in the interview, you think of teachers and and former policemen, and he says those are the kind of players. Those are kind of people that become referees, and also they're all snitches because of that. You know, they're all kind yeah. of um, teachers' pet um, goody two shoes, and he's he clearly doesn't care. Um, and he, he he and it's so funny to think of him in that environment, just kind of like swagging around with his Aldi, just doing what he wants with his spray tan. And I just find the whole thing really funny. It's just not what you think of referees, really, is it? Yeah, I thought Daniel Tyler did a good job as well of not spoiling the book. Yeah. putting enough in there where you it think it makes you want to get the book because you're like right that. who else who else can I see him slag off in the next 400 pages it's, it's worth it for that really isn't it yeah, I'd forgotten about his Champions League tattoo as well I completely <laughs> forgot about that if England had won the Euros we, we could have got we could have got like the Euros tattoo oh yeah I, the, I think I even said on that pod Dan that I was going to get a unicorn tattoo so you know like lucky escape potentially it, that could have that unicorn tattoo could have been my Clattenburg moment so I think exactly. I've dodged a bullet We'll wait for the World Cup and see what's on trend (laughs) at that point. That was a great piece from Daniel Taylor. And remember, you can read that and all the other good stuff on The Athletic, including Simon's writing in full and much, much more by subscribing today for just £3.33 a month. To take advantage of that offer, just head to theathletic.com slash football pod. Flo, thanks as ever for joining me and a big thanks to Simon as well. Please get involved in the comment section. We'd love to hear your thoughts and wherever you get your podcast. If you're enjoying the show, then please leave us a review. This has been the Athletic Football Podcast and we hope you'll join us again tomorrow. The Athletic.